Father God, we thank you that you are, uh, that you are our good God. Lord, we, we come before you as a broken people in need of your glory, your grace to sustain us, to save us, to redeem us. Lord, we thank you that we can proclaim that boldly in Jesus Christ. We love you so much and we praise you in your name. Amen. Well, I hope you guys had an incredible weekend. I honestly did not know what to expect and was absolutely blown away by the, uh, the encouragement that it was to receive from, from so many people. I, I don't know if you had the experience. I wanted to go to every session, but there were limits on what you could go to. It was not an option to go to all of them. And uh, it, the ones that I got a chance to sit into, even though I did kind of bounce around and try and listen to little parts of many of them, uh, it was absolutely amazing. So one more time, can we just give it up for our, our facilitators today? Thank you guys very much. Oh, man, what an amazing uh, opportunity to hear from people, uh, from stories, uh, to think about what God has done in lives and shaped through uh, faithfulness is, is so sweet. and so good to hear about that, to be challenged and stirred. And I hope you know that when we talk about equipping, uh, sometimes equipping can kind of be like uh, the idea that you need something just totally and completely practical. Give me the words to say so that I can say them to somebody. That's what I want. Or give me the words to pray because I don't know how to pray. I think what you got today on an equipping level shapes our character, shapes our understanding of the gospel, shapes the way that we actually choose to live differently because of the gospel being applied to our lives. That is the nature of equipping, giving you resources to live out life in Christ. That's what the church is called to do. We see that in Ephesians chapter 4, that we are called to equip the saints for the work of ministry, to build up the body so that we can continue to carry out the name of Jesus in the church and in the world. So I, I, I loved, loved hearing what we got to hear today. So thank you guys again very much. Um, there's a, uh, a quirk in our theology. We get lots of, uh, we get lots of tensions that we talk about frequently. Uh, we've talked about the already not yet, the fact that the kingdom is here in our midst, but that it is not yet fully consummated, or in, in, it's been inaugurated, it has not yet been consummated, right? We talk about that tension. We talk about the fact that we have been uh, predestined, that, that before the foundations of the earth, God predestined us for reconciliation, and at the same time, there's this freedom that, that God entrusts to us to, in his spirit, choose him, and it's, it's stuff that we don't fully understand, and we, we wrestle with that. There's another tension, and it's the idea that Jesus has already won the war. We sing that, right? Jesus has won the war. Don't, just say, Matt, don't sing again, and I won't, but I will. You can't stop me. Um, we sing that and we, we proclaim that the, the battle is won. It's over. It's done. And these are incredible truths that Jesus going into the grave and coming out victoriously conquered, past tense, Satan, sin, and death. And then that tension still exists that many of those things are still present in the world around us. I think one of the challenges that we have with that tension is we can apply something to our lives that is not supposed to be there. What we can do is we can actually say, okay, Jesus has won the war. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. 
and our therefore can be, so I don't really need to do anything. I guess I don't really have a part. When all's said and done, my, my voice, my gifts, uh, what I bring to the table isn't really all that necessary because you know what? Jesus is he's one. This thing is going his direction no matter what. And to be totally honest, when we think about our theology in that way, we trust the sovereignty of God, the bigness of God, that, that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, that God is working all things together for good for those who love him. These things are true. So what does that mean for us as individuals and how we contribute to the mission of Jesus and to the body of Christ? Because I, I don't know what that does to you. I don't know if that encourages you, says, I am a necessary part of this story, or if that, if that actually is a disempowering thing to you to say, well, I guess I don't matter all that much if it's all going to end up in Jesus' favor anyways. Well, that's one side of the tension, that Jesus has won the war. The other side of the tension we find in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and I'm just going to point out a couple of passages from this. Paul's writing to a church that has um, a lot of issues, right? The Corinthian church, massive amounts of brokenness going on in this church. There's sexual sin that's going on that needs to be dealt with. There are issues of spiritual gifts that need to be dealt with. Just order in the church and how that actually plays itself out. Lots of stuff going on that Paul needs to write correction into. But one of the other things that's going on in the church is the, uh, the elevation of certain individuals. Super apostles, apostles, teachers, pastors, elders, who has status and who does not. The great leaders and then the lowly people is the perspective of the Corinthian church. And Paul writes into this context and he says, you need to understand what this is, what the church is. He writes this, starting in 12.12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. I want you to grab that word and hold on to it. Just on the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. When you think about what it is that we're doing, this isn't about uh, me personally. This isn't about me and Kevin or me and Kevin and Ryan or me and Kevin, Ryan and Bert or Matt and the elders or the elders of Anthem Church or the leaders of Anthem Church. 
This isn't our story that we're inviting you to, to hang out with us. When Paul writes to the Corinthian church to help them understand the role of each person, he says you have to understand there, there is no body without everybody. There is no body without all of the parts contributing as they are supposed to. The body is weak without it. The body crumbles and falls apart without it. Every single aspect of it, every single part is indispensable. Now here's the thing with our theology. Jesus has won the war. This thing is going his way. Absolutely, 100%. We agree. The big C church will prevail, Jesus said. Peter, on this rock I will build my church and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And from that we see the local church birthed out of that vision. That in each city that they went, they preached the gospel and churches rose up. And within those churches, that's what Paul's writing to, that there are responsibilities and and health and well-being and gospel life that is supposed to happen in each local church. Paul writes to Titus and says, I want you to go into every city and put elders in place. Put things that remain into order. Let's, let's help these local churches take shape so that they can function as the body is supposed to function in each place. We're not looking at the big C church and saying, well, there's a, a teacher over there and a prophet over there and a hospitable person uh, down the road. We're talking about the local body of Christ. That's how this is applied in Corinth. And guys, the, the reality is, and this is kind of terrifying to say, no church, no local church, exists forever. There comes a time that, that local churches close down. They, they split, they break up. There's issues and sin and brokenness that destroy local churches around the world. And so do we look at that and say that Jesus has not won the war? No, clearly we, we are still able to say Jesus carries on. He is king over his kingdom. He reigns on high. But the local church has a responsibility to receive the gospel and to put it into practice in in our daily life. Go over to Revelation chapter 2 with me real quick and please be terrified that we're going into the book of Revelation. (laughs) We're going doom and gloom for the rest of our time here, guys. This is going to get brimstone-y in here. It already is. It already feels like sweat (laughs) brimstone. All right. Okay, uh, Revelation chapter 2, this is to the church at Ephesus. We've heard a ton about and from the church at Ephesus. And just the starting point, Jesus is writing letters to seven churches, a little bit of context. He's writing letters through John to seven churches, to the angel of the church at Ephesus, right? And he gives him a message to say, the words of him who holds the seven stars in his right hand, who walks among the seven golden lampstands, I know your works, your toil, and your patient endurance, and how you cannot bear with those who are evil, but have tested those who call themselves apostles and are not, and found them to be false. I know you are enduring patiently and bearing up for my name's sake, and you have not grown weary. Good good stuff so far. Verse 4. But I have this against you. This is from Jesus, remember. I have this against you, that you have abandoned the love you had first. Remember, therefore, from where you have fallen, repent and do the works you did at first. If not, I will come to you and remove your lampstand from its place unless you repent. 
So when you think about the, the local church and our responsibilities, the way that Jesus phrases it is this lampstand that he's entrusted to the church at Ephesus. Being a church is a gift from God. This is not something to take lightly. This is not something that we, uh, that we consider a small thing at all. It is a huge responsibility to be leaders in a church, and it is a huge responsibility to be members in a church. And Jesus has, has shared with the church at Ephesus, a church that so often we have looked up to, he said, look, things need to change, or this lampstand that I've entrusted to you is going to be removed. This is where our theology, the tension, kind of finds its center point. We believe that Jesus will move forward, and we believe that we have a part and a responsibility in that, but anthem is not eternal. Jesus is eternal, anthem is not. We have a responsibility to pursue a life of faithfulness together, to serve each other, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, to press on towards the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. We have to take ownership of what Jesus has entrusted to us as a church. This is our call. You have a part. You are indispensable to the health and ministry and mission of Jesus in this church. Now, I'm not saying you have to be perfect. Guess what? We preach the gospel. Nobody is perfect, not even one. This is not about our collective holiness, and if we trip up sinfully, then we're off the rails as a church. But what I am talking about is this. If we're going to press on and continue forward, it's got to come from a posture of this is us with Jesus. It's not Matt with Jesus, and we live or die on me. Honestly, there may come a day where I screw up royally. Honestly, I'm praying for this. This has been the craziest week in the history of weeks when you look at brokenness in marriages and, and things being screwed up all over the place. It's terrifying to see what can happen when a person falls into sin See how churches are destroyed through those things. The church goes way beyond me. But I bring this to you because I want you to understand that you matter. Your pursuit of God matters. The contribution of your gifts matters. The contribution of your service matters. And collectively, we need to see ourselves as part of the church of God carrying out the mission of God. I just want you to consider the flip side for a moment. What if everybody said, I don't matter? What if everybody said, I, they don't need my contribution, they don't need my gifts, they don't need my service, they don't need my love, they don't need my voice, they don't need my resources? What if everybody said that? There would be no church. And so there's that weird tension of anybody and, and everybody. <laughs> what if one of us said it? What if all of us said it? I want to proclaim to you your indispensability in the body of Christ. I don't want you to view yourself as optional. We need your ministry. Here's what that means. Four things. 
We need you serving the body of Christ in prayer, service, love, and mission. We need you serving the body in four areas, prayer, service, love, and mission. Paul uh, cries out to the Colossians, pray for us. Pray for one another to the Thessalonians. I want men everywhere lifting up holy hands in prayer. This has to be a part of our story that we devote ourselves to praying for each other. I got to sit in on my dad's session and and he challenged husbands and wives to, to, to get on your knees once a week, at least weekly, and to audibly, with your spouse, pray for your kids by name. And I just started thinking about that and just saying, there's just the practicality of that is so helpful to just say, yes, I can do that, and to think about the same call for your church. To pray for your church. To pray for its leaders, to pray for your fellow members, the people in your community group. Just as God brings names to mind to be able to pray for them and lift them up as an intercessor. There's a lot of you that at times are going to need to be prayed for. In fact, all of us at times are going to need to be prayed for. That doesn't stop you from praying for people. That doesn't remove you from the list of people who pray for even though you yourself need prayer because we all do. The first area that we need you to serve in is to pray. You are indispensable. We need your prayers. It's so weird to think about because we're like, no, no, no. They don't need my prayers. They're doing fine and I haven't been praying for them. Maybe you're saying that. I don't know. I don't know where the, the moment is where Jesus is like, all right, I'm gonna remove the lampstand. I don't know what that threshold is of of people who are choosing not to pray, of people who are not walking in obedience, of people who are not being faithful. I don't know. Jesus doesn't give us anything like that. But I do know that he calls us to pray for one another, to intercede on, on, on behalf of each other. So I wanna challenge us to be a church that prays for this church, that prays for the leaders, that prays for our community, that prays for the gospel to advance, to be a people who pray. We need you and your prayers, first of all. We need your service. Anthem is built on being an all-hands-on-deck church. Uh, I get jealous of Camarillo and Ventura sometimes because they still have to set up and tear down. They still have to call everybody at 6 a.m. and say, if you don't show up, this thing doesn't happen. And here at TO, we got this big fancy building. This big building, and we won't call it fancy. (laughs) And sometimes it can feel like we don't need as much help and there's not as much to do, and I don't know how to serve, and those types of things, and I don't know when that thought might have crept in, but we need everybody to serve all the time. We need you leading and hosting community groups. We need you serving in kids, loving these kids, praying for these kids, teaching these kids, cleaning up from these kids. They are messy. We need you in students. Do you guys remember middle school and high school? It's the worst. They need you. They need people in their lives who love Jesus and who will share Jesus with them. We need you in worship. Not just singing, but singing. Not just playing instruments, but playing instruments. 
We need you in the tech booth. We need you cleaning up, setting up, tearing down, helping us transition to Maranatha as they get ready for their services, doing all of the things that need to happen to be worshipers here, third Thursday, celebrate generosity, all of the different things that we do. We need you in behind-the-scenes things all the time. Ryan right now is doing a job that seven people should be doing. And honestly, we need to get better at releasing a lot of those things and being leaders of leaders. That's a big part of our, of our task. That's why we talk about cultivating more leadership in the church because we need to get better at that. But we need people bringing just hours upon hours of help and service, not just so that we can exist. And that's what I want to get out of our heads. We're not just calling you to service so that we can do next Sunday and then calling you to service so that we can do the next Sunday, and on and on. Do we believe that God has entrusted us the privilege of being a church? Then we serve to facilitate life as a body. We meet needs, we minister to people, and we take care of each other. And that's what part of being the body of Christ is. We need your service. We need you to love Kevin talked about this. Love one another. It's, it's like the, I don't know, Jesus called it the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. I think we should probably elevate the status of love pretty high. We need you loving people that they can experience Jesus because you love them. Just think of the domino effect of if you don't, and the person sitting next to you doesn't, and the person sitting next to them doesn't, and on and on down the row, and there is no love, and we have lost the love that we had at first. Repent, or I will remove your lampstand. It matters if you love people. It matters if you choose to express the love of Jesus to the people around you. We need you doing that. And we need your mission. It's a silly thought to think that the church can do the mission of Jesus. That's, that's really never how Jesus set this thing up. I, I, I loved this quote. It still rattles around in my head. Uh, Jesus said, you go make disciples and I will build my church. He didn't say, I will make disciples and you go build my church. Still wrestling with that one. Still trying to figure out the implications of that. But that, I heard that in South Africa and I was just like, oh my goodness. Jesus told Peter, on this rock, I will build my church. And the commission that he gave to the people, the disciples, was go and make disciples. Teach people Jesus. Show them who I am. Express the love of God to them. Share the gospel, and the church will emerge around that, will build around that. Jesus does that part. It's his church. He's the senior pastor. He's the great shepherd. And we've been tasked with making disciples It frees us up from a lot of obligation. Look, our, our job isn't to build a big church. Honestly, the reality is it would be a whole lot easier if Anthem stays right about this size for the rest of eternity. Our goal is not to build a big church because that's not the commission, that's not the call. We are called to be faithful. We are called to make disciples and we are called to love one another. And then Jesus gets to do with that what he wants. I believe we'll see people come to faith in Jesus through that faithfulness. I believe that we will see incredible things happen. But our focus needs to be in the right place.
The reason that I bring all this up this afternoon is that the idea behind the summit, the, the vision behind the summit was to create a space where we propel us into the year ahead. What does it look like to be Anthem Church as we move forward in 2015, 2016? And the fact is, we need each and every one of you. And I hope you hear that. I want you to see uh, Anthem Church is yours, not ours. And there's a beautiful moment where, uh, where the things go from saying, oh, you know, uh, yeah, I love that church. I love what they're doing. To, to I am that church. I love what we're doing. I love what God's doing in us. If we are the body of Christ, then there is no separation of Anthem from you. You are the body of Christ that is identified as Anthem Church. So I want to invite you guys to take full ownership of life as the body of Christ. Your gifts, your service, your mission, your love, we need it. I don't know what that means for each one individually, because honestly, we all have a wide variety of gifts, many, many, many members, one body, and we all contribute to what makes the body work. But I want to invite you to this. Whatever that looks like for you this year, I'm going to ask you to give uh, 11 months of service. To basically start here in this month of September and say, okay, we're going to pour in. We're going to give ourselves to leading a community group or, or at least going through the process of being equipped and trained and apprenticed and get ready to start one when the time is right. Or same thing with hosting. Or I'm going to give myself to serving kids. I'm going to teach or I'm going to apprentice towards teaching. Or you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm a helper. That is my spiritual gift. I help. And I want to serve in that way and I want to clean and I want to do these things. Or if you're an administrator to say, you know what, I'm going to talk to Ryan and I'm going to get a, I'm going to get a task. I'm going, to have a, I'm going to have a role where I administrate and I contribute in that way. Sometimes your service lines up with your spiritual gifts and it's beautiful. Sometimes it's just service because somebody needs to sweep. Somebody needs to teach. Somebody needs to lead. Somebody needs to sing. There's things that need to be done. And it's not always in a spiritual gift context. Sometimes it's just because we do what needs to be done. That was what I loved about the workday. I loved having a workday where we got to see people that had no idea what they were doing, just out there doing awesome things. Chainsaws in the hands of people who have never, never should have had a chainsaw in their hands. That's not you, Tom Gallardo. No, 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 that's not you. No, 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 that was Andrew. That was Andrew, yeah. Tom looked like he knew what he was doing. All day. Were you rattling for three days afterwards? Because that, that was a long day of chainsawing. All right. <laughs> this is a rabbit trail. <laughs> For us to, uh, to move forward, I, I hope this doesn't come across as a threat. Like, hey, look, if you guys don't step up, Jesus is going to take our lampstand and we're going to shut down. That's, that sounds like, that's, that's where this can sound a little doomy and gloomy. And I'm not going that route. I bring that up because I want you to see the importance of each individual to contribute to the whole. That's where I bring that up. I want you to see yourself as important to this, to this mission. So I'm asking you to step in, to step up and bring people with you. 
Guess what? There's 112 people here. We've got about 600 people that call Anthem Church home. We're about one-sixth of the way to getting this message into the minds of people at Anthem Church. And so we need you guys speaking that to people as you meet them, as you, as you see them in the hallways. We have one hallway. As you see them in the hallway <laughs> or the parking lot, and you say, hey, come with me. Apprentice with me. Let's do this together. We need you. And we want you. We like you. I hope you like each other because you're in this for the long haul. <laughs> so yeah, calling you to serve. Uh, find a place. Plug in. Give yourself completely. Find a community group if you're not already in one. Give yourself to that for the, the, the coming year. Do the two halves of a whole. There's one, we have one now on almost every night of the week except Saturdays. It's pretty incredible, actually, how just God's kind of opened up the calendar in a crazy way to see community groups available almost all the time. Find life in that space. Serve together. Be on mission together. Dive in. I love what Kevin said earlier today. Try it out. What's the worst that could happen? <laughs> that sounds weird. Uh, <laughs> But give it a shot. Join us. Join in this mission. And let's, let's do this life together. Here's what's going to happen. Here's how we're going to close out. We asked our elders to come up and just to pray over you that are here, us collectively, Anthem Church, even those that are not here, and the year ahead. So I'm going to ask uh, the guys and their wives to just come on up. And uh, basically, we're just going to, I don't know, popcorn style, just kind of pray for you guys as, uh, as we feel the Holy Spirit burdening us. So why don't you get close enough that the mic could be just grabbed at, a, at an easy moment. So don't spread out too far. Just get, yeah. well, now you're dividing between the stage. This is not Kristen in the middle and everybody else here. Directions. Yeah, you can do follow directions. <laughs> All right. Um, so yeah, just elbow somebody if you want to pray. And um, our goal is to, to pray for Anthem Church. That's what we're doing here. I want to invite you to that. Um, Hear what's being prayed for you. This is part of how we pray together. And even as you're there, just uh, join us in praying. So uh, who's got the mic? Oh, hey, that's a good idea. Brilliant. Lord, we give ourselves to you. Um, Thank you for calling us a church, for giving us the privilege of being uh, a church obtained by the blood of your son, Jesus. Lord, would we treat that with all the awe and respect that it deserves, that you are God and King, would count us worthy of being called sons and daughters through the finished work of Jesus Christ, and that you've gathered us together to lead one another, to minister to one another, and to be on mission to this world together. Lord, we're better together, and we're grateful for that. Would you bless this year, bless this church, and challenge us to do more and to receive more. We love you, Lord, and we praise you in your name. Amen.